Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be going over Ephesians today. Um, we, I believe we left off Again. on Ephesians... Um, was it seven? Seven or eight? No, yeah, we left on verse eight. eight. We we're going to pick up in verse eight and uh, carry on. Um, last week, we only got through only two verses. Two I think. verses. So. Like, the, like the good particular Baptists we are. Exactly, exactly, which is which is kind of interesting. So we're going to go ahead and go through um, verse 8, and we're just going to go on through chapter 1 um, and see see where we land. All right, so... Yeah, mine. If we, we'll go ahead and read back from chap, uh, verse 1 all the way through verse 12, and then go from there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the Beloved One. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance, because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. This here ends the reading. So, verse 8. So, we have verse 8. So, all the way up through verse 8, we have Paul really um, emphasizing on the redemption of the sinner. So, God's will gave, gave the sinner the ability to become a saint through his will. Um, I think we have heard our... Um, how redemption has been conferred on on us by Christ. That is um, the forgiveness of sins, and now 
now we note here that by him true wisdom is likewise opened up and handed down to us um, for the true happiness that comes to us through Christ consists of true wisdom and righteousness, righteous freedom. Um, Paul not only says that redemption and the forgiveness of sins have been granted to us by Christ, but also that by him the treasures of divine wisdom have been opened to us according to the inexhaustible grace of grace of God. Which is signaled by the use of the word lavished in verse eight. Something that right, goes over right. and above the usual the usual dose. You know, for those of us who live a normal life, you know, we, we receive grace even from other people. But it's it's pretty small, and usually it's only in response to something good that we've done, like a pat on the head kind of a thing. But God has lavished grace on us, his covenant people, um, over and above, you know, the whole cup running over type of scenario. And be- right. because of that grace, part of what he lavished on us is is making known to us the mystery of his will and his wisdom and his insight. Yeah, all over Scripture, it's... it's uh, it- God's grace is immeasurable is is one of the words they use. It's it's so profound and it's it's so overflowing that we don't even have a concept of how much he's given us because it, it's immeasurable. I know this is this is kind of edging into verse nine a little bit, but I'm kind of I think it's kind of fascinating that Paul would say, In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, as if in revealing Christ to us, God is who is wise, but he is doing an incredibly wise thing. So in in showing us Christ and sending Christ and Christ doing his work on our behalf, that is ultimately wise, a wise thing for God to do. And why is it wise? Right. Well, later on in the passage we'll see, by revealing Christ to us and us being saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit, we will praise the glory of God's grace which is the greatest gift that any person could be given the the actual ability to praise God and the in the right to praise God as one of his his adopted children. So it's the wisdom of God that even led to the suffering and work of Christ for his people because ultimately all of that will come out as praise to God for his grace. Right. And and by these particulars um by uh through the wisdom and discernment, he has um, made it fully known the absolute knowledge of divine things. Um, he he has absorbed that the full and absolute knowledge of the divine things. This this is what God has done through Christ. But we, as finite beings, we we do not know everything about God. We can never know everything about God. Um, because he is never ending, he is eternal, and I mean, we'll never, never come to understand this. That it's not necessary. Necessary, he's that trying to argue about what exactly wisdom and discernment are in this verse, um, or how they differ from one another. Paul goes on to explain how Christ instructs us.
Through the wisdom and discernment, he has absorbed the full and absolute knowledge of the divine things. Um, By these particulars, he indicates that um, in this verse, or how they, he doesn't try to argue the necessary differences of wisdom and discernment, um, or the how they differ from one another, but Paul goes on to explain how Christ instructs us in all wisdom and discernment, and what what this heavenly and absolute philosophy is. Christ teaches us when we He reveals to us the hidden mystery. Um, Paul uses the Greek word mystery, which um, was commonly used for the Latin and highly appropriate for this verse. I thought um, all of His will. In fact, the mystery of his will is what the highest wisdom is. Um, so I think this is what Paul is trying to reiterate to the reader in uh, the Ephesians. So he's trying to say, look, this is this is the highest you can get. And wisdom is the knowledge of Christ's will for you and your life. Your best life now. Yeah, I wouldn't say best life now, but... <laughs> But, I, I mean, we're really, um, this came from, this is a quote or a thing I found um, in a commentary by uh, Lancelot Ridley. Um, he says, all we need is sal- all we need for salvation. Um, he says, we have received all of God's goodness, all of spiritual wisdom as touching the knowledge of godly things and all the other no- knowledge necessary for health of our soul. This place reproves those who say there are many things necessary for salvation of people that are not written in the Holy Scripture, nor yet can be gathered out of the Holy Scripture. It kind of had me going, what's this guy talking about? And uh, so, so what he's saying is that there are all these things that we can we can't know because God didn't insert them into Scripture about Himself. He reveals Himself through His attributes and all of, and how He deals with His people, um, and how He acted through Christ. Christ was the reflection of the Father. Uh, you see Me, you've seen the Father. Um, so everything that we have seen in Christ, we expect to see in the Father as well. Um, we don't get two different... Sure, they're one. Right, we don't get two different gods um, where the Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God. They're all the same, and uh, which is which is entertaining. So a lot of people think they're... Plus the Holy Spirit also, who right. even though he's present in the Old Testament, but uh, but he's, he's there also. Right. Because God's always been triune. Exactly. And all the way from the beginning in Genesis one twenty six, he says, let us make man in our image. And it was plural. So he was talking to the three. The three were talking amongst each other. So, um, but yeah, I found that very interesting that he says, a lot of people think that there are not things that are written in Holy Scripture nor yet gathered for the Holy Scripture um, that are necessary for salvation. God has included everything that is necessary for salvation in His Word, and it is infallible. It is it is complete as it is. Nothing, exactly. Nothing needs to be added, nor should it be, and certainly nothing needs to be taken away from what is here. 
Right. And if that it is added, you're you're anathema, and you better get out of town. Yeah, and that includes unhitching from the Old Testament. Hey, mine. Yeah, here here's something from uh, David Dixon. I don't know if you guys know who David Dixon is. It's an exposition on Ephesians. Um, this is in my logos. So he says, grace is a foundation of wisdom. Um, and he says, from this abundant grace, as from a fountain, Christ, um, or the Father in Christ, has according to his great wisdom communicated to us in our effectual vocation all wisdom and prudence. That is, has given us saving faith in the object whereof consists the sum of perfection of all wisdom and knowledge. For through saving faith is in itself imperfect, yet by it we apply a known Christ to ourselves, who is treasure of all saving wisdom and prudence, as a general medicine and remedy for all evils, which is the abbreviate of wisdom and prudence. In this argument, the particular proves some also. We who have, we who as well as the rest of the world were ignorant, imprudent, and foolish, erring in blindness and vanity of our minds. It is of grace, therefore, that we are endowed with wisdom. Christ, the author, first comes to us and bestows faith on us, which consists of the in knowledge and application of saving truth in God which is true wisdom and prudence. Um, therefore, it is of grace here. Grace is expressly mentioned. He, out of his grace, has plentifully bestowed on us um, this wisdom and prudence. He who was full of grace has shown himself to be such in this, as if he could not any longer restrain his grace within himself. But it overflowing broke forth on us therefore grace is the sole cause and effectual vocation and donation of faith and deserves to be praised in which paul does in here in his letter right off the rip and you know we've hit on the most important aspect of this whole thing which is god's work in uh providing our redemption in christ but then in verse 10, where it, this is done not only is, of course, in the NASB, it says, uh, um, he does all this, he purposed all this in Christ with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. So not only has Christ reconciled sinful humans to their creator, who they despised, but in doing the same work, Christ has proven his his mastery over everything. There wasn't anything created that was created outside of Christ. So we already know that he is supreme over all creation because he's the one by whose hand it was created. But in seeing his death and resurrection, we show he he proved to us his mastery over everything and that all things will find their purpose in him and eventually their uh, redemption. Even even creation itself will be redeemed. Right, right. And I think that whole united vision uh, is really helpful um, when we think about, you know, it's not, it's not that creation is just going to be toasted, you know. 
Christ just came for, for his people and that's it. No, the work of God has always been to redeem all of creation, which is under the fall to, to, a, to a degree. Yes, people are fallen for sure, but the whole creation itself is under the curse. Right. And Christ, his work is going to uh, redeem all of that. Boom. That'll preach. <laughs> so, Sean, do you have any anything? Um, well, in the CSB in verse 10, it says, well, I'll read verse 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. And what immediately popped into my head, and I wrote it down in my Bible right here, is the covenant of redemption. And I know we've talked about that already. Uh, but it, it's specifically, and it's very Trinitarian here as well. He's specifically stating that the Father purposed in Christ a plan to, for the right time, according to his will, to bring everything together in Christ. Since the Father planned this, that, that means that the Son and the Holy Spirit were there when this plan was created and that it was fully agreed upon by the Godhead. Right. Which it, it's hard to, hard to think about that. It kind of makes my head hurt. But, uh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's even though the covenant of redemption is not specifically stated in scripture, just as the word Trinity isn't, it's it's incredibly important to understand that this has been God's will from the, before creation. It's it's always been in the mind of God to s- save His people through Christ. Which I can't remember the verse. It's in Revelation, uh, where Christ is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Christ has always. Christ's purpose has always been to to gather his sheep, to gather his people. And it was brought about through the will of God at the exact time that it needed to. So it, it's just... And it wasn't that Jesus was just the manifestation of that plan to redeem humanity, like some uh, modalists would argue. Right. But right. that Jesus, eternally being the second person of the Trinity, co-equal with the Father... Uh, came and fulfilled the plan. He wasn't. He himself was not the plan. He he carried out the plan that had been uh, agreed upon within the Godhead from eternity past. Right. Which you can. That's all over the Gospel of John, especially how, how the the language that John uses. It's constantly he's reference. Jesus is constantly referencing you know, his work that needs to be done. He needs to finish the Father's work that was given to him to finish. That kind of the, that kind of language alludes to this covenant. And uh, it, it's extremely important to the overall story of the Bible. And it's one that's overlooked a lot. And ever since I found out about it, which hasn't been that long ago, it's always in the Semper back of Reformanda. my mind. It's always in the back of my mind when I'm reading scripture. 
I try not to stick it in where it doesn't belong, but it belongs here. It's the, it's the subtext to all of Christ's work as our uh, as our savior and mediator. It's in the subtext of the whole thing. Right. It's that it's that important. It's the core of the gospel. Yes. Very good. <laughs> but that's all I had for that verse. I just wanted to Man. I find it very challenging to go verse by verse, especially in the epistles, because, you know, Paul is laying out big ideas, and these are all gigantic Greek run-on sentences, and it's hard to take them. I mean, you almost you can't you almost can't go verse by verse. You have to go like precept upon precept, or uh, you know, um, prepositional phrase by prepositional phrase. Uh, but uh, but no, we're we're getting along. We're doing good. I'm just eager to go cage stage all over verse 11. That's really what all I right, want to do. So let's go to 11. So I'm going to unlock my cage. I got... So... There you go. In him... All right. Okay. Also, Here we, go. we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to praise of his glory. Boom. Okay, so we've got another reference back to, because we've already bum, bum, seen bum. earlier in, in chapter 1 to the sonship. You know, we have been elected as sons. So as sons, therefore we are heirs, so we receive an inheritance uh, because we've been predestined uh, according to God's counsel of his will, who which his will is never thwarted. Uh, it says in there, he works all things after the counsel of his will. It's not some things, all things. He, What he purposes to do, he does, and he gets it done, and nothing stands in his way. And um, all praise to him, one of the, the most important things that he purposed was that he would predestine a people for his own possession who would not just be uh, a, a, a slave a slave people that he owns that he's in, he's adopting them he's he's giving them an inheritance even though they had just formerly been his enemies and would continue to be his enemies had he not shown his grace to them so god in his unstoppable will predestined a people uh secured by the blood of christ and uh promised an inheritance to them uh and he did all of this so that we who believe in him would praise his glory, which is our ultimate good. God's praise is the ultimate good for every human being. The sad thing is, the vast majority of human beings, the last thing they want to do is is give God the the praise that he's due. It's against our fallen nature to do that. Correct. Okay, I'm putting myself back in the cage now. <laughs> All right, it's locked. <laughs> Everyone's safe. You're safe now. You can sleep easy. You're in a safe space. The, the Calvinist is back in his cage. <laughs> I just think it's such, it's such a glorious doctrine. It's so God-centered, and there's so much biblical evidence for the doctrine of predestination, the whole purpose for why God has predestined a people for his own possession and uh, to be his sons and daughters. It's too beautiful a doctrine to not be so centrally Christian. Right, it so it's, opposes any other religion's idea of why God has worshipers. 
it's it's so uh, abrasive to a lot of people because you have no part in it. It's it's hard to it's hard to let go, and I, I don't want to use that <laughs> silly. Say it, say it. It's say hard it. to let go and let God. Glory. <laughs> I, I, I painted myself in a corner there. but Stand under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> hey, mate! <laughs> You're throwing me off. It's, it's hard to understand and, and leave yourself out of your own salvation. That's like, the, that's like the, uh, the one thing that humans are good at is wanting to earn their salvation. And uh, this, this plan of God's has nothing to do with what we do. In fact, we, we, we can't, um, according to Scripture, have anything to do with our salvation. We would just screw it up. So it, it's just, it's difficult for some people to understand that this predestination idea, this doctrine, because it's, it's so abrasive and it's, it, it, it takes the skin out of the game for us. It, it, we can't, it's so counterintuitive can't to about us. it. Yeah. It's, it's hard, but once you get to understand it and you, you read about it and you study it, you understand God's grace even that much more that we are completely helpless on our own. We, we can't do anything. We're in fact, we're destined to hell and God reaches down and he saves us. He comes down all the way. doesn't meet us halfway. He comes down all the way and he, he raises us to new life. And it's just, it's incredible. And there's, I think when you understand predestination, you understand God's grace that much more. Absolutely. It, it's actually grace in that, right. in that system. The other stuff is, is like a worker deserving his wages, but this is a free gift. Right. This um, is something, well, you know, the, the word grace implies it's a gift. We don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, there, a, a small, small story, if you permit. I permit. So I, at times, inhabit a place called Twitter, which, <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a whole, is a literal dumpster fire born aloft on the floodwaters of a hurricane. <laughs> but, That's But awesome. at times, the, uh, the dumpster fire produces something really, really nice. One of these things was a little illustration that somebody had hand-drawn. It was a hand-drawn illustration. And it had, you know, kind of the the vision you expect of, you know, we're seeing Jesus' feet, so it's like, you know, feet in sandals, and then there's a hem of a robe around the ankle and all that stuff, okay? But behind, from behind his back, and, and we're only seeing the feet in the hem of the robe, so we're looking back from there to the left side of the picture, and there's a skeleton hand ha- hanging limply and being dragged in Jesus' direction by a dove that has kind of the wrist in its beak. And I'm like, that is that is probably one of the the best, most succinct pictures of of uh, grace in salvation because we have obviously a dead, desiccated person who's being dragged by the means of the Holy Spirit, toward Jesus for new life. 
And I, I, I was very struck by that. I wish I had screenshotted it. I'm going to have to go back and look now, but I may, I may try to add a link to that tweet in the, um, in the, uh, show notes because honestly it it was one of the best illustrations i've seen of a uh of a picture of salvation how how it works yeah and that's that's a that's a skewed view that a lot of people have is they they don't see salvation that way and when they read read about salvation in scripture they have these preconceived notions of what salvation is and Typically, that's not going to be what their preconceived notions are not going to match what Scripture says. I think it was Luther that said, you should not trust your heart or your conscience over the word of God, and uh, which sounds pretty crazy to some people, but it's true. It and is true. And I think it was Shakespeare that said, what a tangled web we weave when our notions preconceive. You just made that up. I did. <laughs> I was going to say. Sorry, it was, it was a weird day at work today, okay? So I was I'm like, like slap happy that's already. That's way too lame for Shakespeare. <laughs> Anyway, Scott, are you still alive? Yeah, I was just listening to your guys' banter. Oh, (laughs) I got worried about you for a minute. So we're in verse 11. um, And and it kind of takes me back to Romans 9, where no one can resist God's will kind of thing. And God does what he wants, and it is all good. Um, Paul is right to teach. And not robotic. Right. Paul is right to teach us to conclude that these things are part of God's will because his works must all be regarded as proceeding from his will Um, because that will is holy, just, and good. It cannot do anything bad, criminal, or ungodly-like. There are some people who would read the second part of this sentence um, according to the counsel of his will, but ignore the first part, by whose power all things were made, excuse me, and claim that God commits the most dreadful crimes and most ungodly people, which is blasphemous. Um, Others do the same thing when they interpret the words according to the decree of his will, um, as if it means that he does whatever he likes. Um, this interpretation is ungodly because the greatest wisdom, righteousness, and equ- equity um, are all present in the counsel of God's will. Um, it is, it's true that there is a certain line of thought that he gives us in Holy Scripture to the effect that he does not have to answer to anyone of, for his actions. I do all things according to my pleasure. I choose what you reject and reject um, what you choose. Um, but at the same time, the divine oracle also proclaims, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Um, God does not desire iniquity, nor can any evil person dwell within him. Um, 
So, and back to my where no one can resist his will. Uh, Paul says this heavenly inheritance to have been ordained for us um, by the forewill of God, always intended of the Father toward us. It was of his goodness. Um, it was by whose will and power all good things are done and whose will no one can resist or stop. Uh, we have no power over God's will. Um, if God chooses to do something, it's going to be done whether we want it to or not. Just ask Jonah and uh, so or uh, Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, I mean... <laughs> You actually referenced Jonah. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's very rare. Wow. So, but I actually blacked out for a second. I'm back. <laughs> I w- so I felt like a little bit of Fergie and Jesus. You know, I was called the songbird <laughs> of my generation. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt like I was levitating right then. You know. <laughs> so so it this this is where it comes down to. Um. Basically, look, God has predestined things before creation. God has already ordained things to happen in the time and events that are to happen. Um, God has already ordained whatever in your life is going to happen. It's already happened in the eyes of God. He's there already. He's he's standing there just outside of space, matter, and time. He he has it all there in front of him. It's not like it's so right now, like I, I enjoy this. I, I think I was a Lutheran podcast. Uh it was on Thinking Fellows, and they were uh talking about time and how God is on the outside of time and uh how Time is just set before him, you know, like a like a movie reel, and each section is a a day of time, you know. So, as but it's not a corridor, right? It's not a corridor. It's everything has already happened, but we cannot fathom that everything has already happened. He already knows yeah. the end day. He already knows the beginning day. He knows the middle. He knows the end and, and all the conflicts in between. So and, and he doesn't know it just he he doesn't know it because it's it's happening and he's learning. He knows it's it's going to happen because he he made it happen. Right. And he's already he ordained it. it to happen. It's not saying that he's ordained he is oh he has orchestrated evil things. No, he has ordained and decreed to allow the evil of this world because it is what we brought in. You know, we yeah. did this to ourselves. And and that's where a lot of people, we don't understand. Like, when they well, see that's, these... Well, that's the mystery of sovereignty because you think if God's sovereign, then he won't allow anything that he disapproves of to ever happen. But actually, God is sovereign wherein he, not only does he allow sin to persist in the world but he actually uses <clears throat> he uses the sin that wicked to people commit yeah. to yeah to end up glorifying his own name exactly which is, what you it intended doesn't make for sense evil, to us I, because that's not for good yeah yeah we we would not operate that way we are way too um 
I don't even know how to describe it. Authoritarian isn't the word, but the things we don't like, if we're in power, we prevent those things from ever happening. We are we are self-autonomous. Yeah, if they're if they're counter to our ideas of where we want to go, then we are just going to banish whatever it is. Right. Because we are but God's more wise people than we are. Who despise being ruled over. We do not like laws. Um, we do not like being told what to do. Um, and that's the flesh and our will inside of us that are just constantly at battle. Because I think R.C. Sproul said, God is a theonomous God. And so we are to bow before a theonomous God. But we keep wanting to hold on to what we call self-autonomy, and they conflict, which that's why we set we were separated from God due to our pride. And uh, so we just need to figure out why. And when we're telling you, it's all because of your flesh and desire. It's your sin in your life. That's why you are rebelling against God. Glory. Glow, That's right. great. I really don't have anything to add to that. Nor do I. Of course you guys don't. How how disappointing. Gosh. <laughs> so Scott, where can they find us? Uh, well, <laughs> let's see if I can remember all this. Um, Write this down. Take a little note. Uh, anyways, so Facebook. they can find us on Instagram. Um, just look up Guys with Bibles on any social media page. Um, you can look us up on Facebook, join the group. Um, the group is growing, and it's being used a lot more here recently. A lot of people are using it as a, um, a way to spread how they are evangelizing in the world or their ideas to evangelism. Um, a lot of people are asking questions and uh, um, interacting with other individuals on the, the page. Um, do that, or you can look us up on Twitter. I don't do Twitter, so... Um, I do. The other two, they do Twitter. I don't see a if, if, point. In... If you say something on Twitter and Guys with Bibles responds, it's probably Lee. <laughs> 90 percent i'm here yes it works at 60 guys with bibles time, we, we have time. open dms <laughs> single reformed ladies of twitter hit me up <laughs> you don't want them <laughs> <laughs> also you can uh check us out um on our website it's guyswithbibles.com um, you can check out our latest blogs. Um, Lee and Sean post weekly uh, blogs, so yeah, we you do. can check those out. Well, we post them weekly, but we post them strongly. They post them weekly, and don't worry, no one reads them. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They're just there. We just we like to make it look like our page has stuff on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? It does. Oh shoot. But um, also, you can email you're us. You're never at doing this again. Guyswbibles. You're, you're the at worst booster we've ever had. You are the worst. <laughs> 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 I am. I am killing this, aren't I? But yeah. uh, so yeah, you're reach just, us on you're email. Just stabbing the life. Right Go ahead and uh, message us. 
you can uh, shoot us. It all goes to our, our cell phones. And uh, you can ask us a question, talk about our some theology or a recent show that we, an episode we talked about. Um, just send us a question and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, we'd love to talk to you. Um, guys, you have anything else? That's uh, all. Subscribe, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That's about it. I don't care about any other podcasts of your choice. So, <laughs> and leave us a five star review. Go ahead, leave Sean a five star review. Yes, <laughs> and it's awesome if you leave a Dune reference in a written review, if you like. Don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> if you leave a Dune reference, we'll know that you really listen. Yeah. It says guys with Bibles, but sometimes in the back of our heads, there's also Dune. Guys with Dune. <laughs> guys with Dune. That's our, that's our, uh, that, honestly, that's our spinoff show. You know, I have never it's, read that's gonna happen. a single Dune book or watched a movie of Dune. Yeah, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're out of guys with Dune. You're a, it, so. This is, you know what? Dune. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we would not. Okay, here's hot take on Dune. All right, and then I'll let you go. We are guys with Bibles, and we are out. (laughs) You do your hot take. You will be sorry. It is true that we would not have the gritty, political, sci-fi and fantasy fantasy stories we have today. Oh. We would not have any of them without Dune. Guaranteed. Because before it, there was never a piece of sci-fi or fantasy literature that in any way rivaled the complexity of its political atmosphere across the galaxy I think you're sadly and mistaken. the intrigue that comes from that nobody had done nope. that before and we nope. could not have no what way. we have today without that that's nope. all i have to say about that nope hey man doing this we're out <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>